If you're like me, you are tired of trying to find jeans that fit right no matter your build and still look good. Introducing the newest sponsor of the Double Doing Podcast, Sweat Taylor, a premium menswear brand that is defining a new kind of casual. I started wearing Sweat Taylor and I am blown away by how comfortable and affordable the clothes are. And of course, they look great. My favorite is the all-in pants. It's a five-pocket pant that feels like sweats but look way better. Thoughtfully tailored and unbelievably stretchy. From jackets and pants to joggers and hoodies, Sweat Taylor's designs are made to seamlessly fit into your life, moving from runway to office, office to drinks, and drinks to wherever the night takes you. Specializing in casual wear for men, pieces are designed with comfort and versatility in mind for your everyday. Use promo code BDEEGST. That is BDEEGST for 25% off. That again is BDEEGST for 25% off your order at sweattailor.com. And welcome back to another episode of Double Dwelling Podcast. My name is Brenda D. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We're talking strictly Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to break down the Eagles' 25-11 to victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They improved to 3-0. No one else to do with than my man, my friend, looking good in yellow today. I'm liking the shirt, I'm liking the shirt pick. Thomas, how are we doing? Uh, yellow and uh, green at the bottom here. Yeah, Nice. Straight, uh, straight out of mountain biking. So yeah, that's uh, that's the gear you got going there for it. <laughs> not much, uh, not much nice weather for you able to do that soon. We're we're getting close to winter. Yeah, it's it doesn't make sense here. It's uh, it's around uh, nineteen degrees Celsius and uh, sun is shining. It does not make sense. Beautiful, I love it. Uh, I got baseball finals tonight, so summer's almost like, that's kind of my ending to my summer. Um, is my my beer league baseball game. But we got more important things to talk about the beer league baseball mountain biking, Thomas. Eagles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eagles are three and oh man. Um, I uh I think we should start with the defense in this game. Um, because I, I I was blown away about how good and how fast and how together they were playing. I let me just kind of ask you a generic question. Uh, what did you make of the defensive performance last night? I mean, it was fantastic. You you had that first drive where where Baker kind of missed a wide open uh, Tompkins, and that could have been a long touchdown. Uh, Tompkins had uh, Joe beat uh, on a post route. He Baker misses him. He was under some pressure, and really from that point on, it just kind of went on and on and on. With that was the theme of the game was was Baker Mayfield under pressure, uh, and and I think um, I think the I think Eagles defense played played physical football. Whenever whenever Bucks had a catch, it was contested. Uh, they didn't get anything that like easily given to them. The first first down they got of the game was five yard out, easy completion, and then everything from that point on was just contested um, to the point where whenever Bucks made a play, you just go nice play. I mean that yeah, give- the Mike Evans catch was like the one handed grab was their biggest play of the game, and that was an incredible play. Like there's nothing you can yeah, do. Exactly. About. That was really good. And also, uh, Otten had, uh, uh, Kate Otten had had a couple catches over the middle with with, with Reed Blankenship in as tight coverage as you could possibly have, and you know catches like that you just go. I mean, you got to tip your hat. That's that's a good catch. Nothing else really to say about it. Uh, but yeah, they had that one late uh their last uh drive of the game for for a touchdown that was 75 yards. Other than that, they had uh, they had around seven drives that total uh, uh, ninety nine yards. Yep, four punts involved in there. 
yeah, four punts and uh, well, it was a safety, it was a, f- a fumble in there, an interception in there. So yeah, yeah. So total, uh, total Eagles defense. They only allowed twelve first downs, and a good chunk of those first downs came, like you said, on that one drive towards the end of the game. That kind of skewed these stats, anyways. 174 total yards allowed. The 174 total yards allowed was the fewest in a regular season game for the Eagles since Nick Sirianni has taken over as a head coach in 2021. This game goes over all of the Jonathan Gannon games over the last two years. So Sean Desai already has the fewest yards allowed since Sirianni has taken over. They forced two turnovers, and they only allowed 21 minutes of possession as well with two sacks. The Eagles defensive line, man, that was a hell of a performance. I know the two yeah. sacks, they only had two sacks on Baker Mayfield, but they were getting all over him all game. They were controlling controlling the line of scrimmage, and they were controlling the line of scrimmage, especially in the run game, Thomas. The Eagles' run defense was spectacular last night. Only allowed 41 rushing yards. They've now only allowed 48.3 rushing yards per game in the NFL through three weeks. That is first in the NFL. They are first in rush EPA allowed per play in the NFL. Jordan Davis just coming out of nowhere and completely revolutionizing the front of the Eagles defensive line, which was a weakness for this team last year. And now it is arguably their biggest strength on defense. Yeah, let's just uh let's just keep in mind that this is a Bucks team that was around around tenth in, in EPA per play on offense and this uh, around the same in offensive success rate. And going against an Eagles team that completely smothered them and dropped them down uh to about sixteen in EPA per playing after this game. So, yeah, uh, Jordan Davis, you you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, the way he is he is uh, leading, he's quarterbacking the front of this defense in, in a way that either he's single blocked and he makes the tackle or he's double teamed and does not get moved anywhere, which allows everyone else to just gather around. He crashes the line of scrimmage and they make tackles for no gain or minimal gain. Um, so really opposing teams, they can't, they can't really run on him. I mean, on the touchdown drive, the Buccaneers had, they were down to the Eagles, uh, at the, at the one yard line and they stop him two times down there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's uh, Mike Evans, kudos to him. He, he deserved the touchdown on that drive. I think, uh, based on, I mean, he's catch there and he totally beat Darius Lay inside, but yeah, it, it Bucks couldn't do anything against the Eagles no. front here. No, it was pure dominance, and like I just want to reiterate, the box score, like it was, it was ninety nine yards. I think it was ninety four yards at like one point, and that was basically the game. Like you take away that last drive, they had like a under a, under a hundred total yards allowed. I thought Reed Blankenship played really well. Hassan Reddick had a couple pressures. I know he hasn't been to the level that we we're accustomed to from last year, but I thought he played okay rushing the passer. I just thought the entire defense as a whole was really impressive. Like you had guys, you had Zach Cunningham on the first drive, make a bunch of plays. You had Nicholas Morrow with the safety. You had Reed Blankenship with the interception. Josh Job did pretty well in coverage. You only allowed 48 yards against him. And that was probably, if you were in the Buccaneers offensive meeting rooms throughout the week, you're going, that's the guy we're going to target. That's the guy we're going to force the ball to. And Josh Job, I thought held up pretty nicely. I thought James Bradbury played okay in the slot. He only had like one, I think it was Chris Godwin on like kind of an in-breaking route from the slot, and I yeah, think Bradbury, and, and like James Bradbury didn't look right. He didn't look right prior to that. Like we, I was in a, I was in a group text prior to that. I mean, they zoomed in on Bradbury. He was he was lying down for a while. He was he didn't know where to line up after that. He he looked completely lost on the play. He gave up an inside move from Chris Godwin, mm-hmm. and then a little bit later in the game, the same thing occurred where we 
couple of us, a couple of us were were um, you know thinking he, that maybe he wasn't completely right. I mean, he was out with a concussion uh, last week, and of course, we hope that nothing is going to flare up um, after this game here. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, he did look a little stiff and kind of looked a little disjointed on that in-breaking route from Godwin. Yeah, um, but he, he just looked confused prior to to the entire play happening and kind of just you know let the play happen without really you know doing too much of it. But it could have been an uh, coincidence. Mm-hmm. Sydney Brown makes the big play at the end zone as well. Finally, we get to see Sydney Brown um, on this Eagles defense. Uh, it sounds like his injury is going to be okay. Um, yep. Josh Tolentino reported today that a hamstring injury isn't serious, and um, Justin Evans also left with a neck injury. I think that's the big one to watch right now because it sounds like Landon Dickerson is going to be all right, which we'll get to the offense in a bit. But um, the Eagles injuries, it sounds like they kind of came out of this game unscathed, just hoping that Justin Evans is all right. But yeah, just back to the original point, like it felt like the whole unit was playing together and it felt like they were on time together. It felt like they were on in sync together. It just felt like a, a team effort and it wasn't just one guy dominating, one guy kind of stealing the show. Everyone was getting involved, and it was really cool to see. It was, it was a really well coached game by Sean Desai. Really well called game by Sean Desai. This is a, like this Bucks offense has weapons across the board. Like Baker was really good on third down heading into this game. I think he was like twenty. I think he was eighteen to twenty three. I think was the total on third down for Baker heading right. into this game, and then they were five for ten total on third down in this game. They did a he really good. The, job he was the second highest rated quarterback in, in per PFF leading yeah. up to that game. I mean, he and, he didn't he, he didn't have a turnover on, until this game. Am I was that the first game the Eagles have played against Baker Mayfield? I was trying to remember. I didn't look back on, on the stats, but I don't remember the Baker Mayfield experience for the Eagles. I think no. that was the first time. Yeah, yeah, but he, he's been around. But um, yeah, they might not not have crossed roles before. Yeah, I can't remember the Eagles playing him before. Um, but hey, I, I uh, as an Eagles fan, it was fun to watch Baker Mayfield on the other side because it was uh. It wasn't. It wasn't a. It wasn't a pretty ball game for the Bucks offense. The Bucks rushing attack. I have no idea why they continued to run the football. Like it wasn't working. <laughs> they just kept doing it. And the commentators co- continued to praise them for trying. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, and I, the, I didn't mind. Yeah, for sure. Like every. Sure. I I think we talked about it on the pregame show. Where like every time Rashad White touches the ball, it's a victory for the Eagles. Yeah. And it turned out to be true. Like the the Bucks just continued to pound them, and it just was not working. Um, trying to think of anything else on the. Oh well, there's got to be one more thing on the defense, Thomas. Jalen Carter, man, my God, it's absurd. He is literally the best player on the football team through three weeks. This team went yeah. to the Super Bowl last year. And a rookie defensive tackle is the best player on the team right now. Yeah, he's the guy who is eating up the double teams and then allowing everybody else to get through. And and and, and he's he is making plays through the double teams while doing so. It's it's just absurd, man. Fifteen pressures through two weeks at a second out of all defensive tackles, only behind Javon Hargrave, who he replaced last year uh, on this team. He has one and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, two quarterback hits. Two TFLs. He is PFF's highest graded defensive tackle. This kid's playing at it like a legit all pro level right now. Like all pro. Yep. Like he is on pace to be the best defensive tackle in the NFL in his rookie season. And that's so unprecedented from like a, uh, a standpoint looking at other like rookie defensive tackles. It, it doesn't happen very often. Nope. Um, I was trying to. Never I, happens. I, 
Like rookie defensive tackles always take a long time to develop in this. So league. with Jordan Davis as well. Exactly. Yeah. And just historically, rookie defensive tackles, like some of the star ones. So Dexter Lawrence, for instance, two and a half sacks in 16 games as rookie year, two and a half for Quinn Williams, two for Chris Jones, two for Jeffrey Simmons, two for Javon Hargrave, one for Cam Hayward. And Jalen Carter already has a one and a half sacks through three games. Dominic King Sue, I think, is the only defensive tackle in NFL history, a rookie defensive tackle in NFL history, to record 10 plus sacks in a rookie season. And Jalen Carter's on pace for that. That is, it's it's honestly hard to wrap your head around how good he's been through two weeks. I did not expect this to happen. We were both high on Jalen Carter heading into this Jalen Carter heading into this year, but this is oh, yes. different. This is different. Yeah, you you just this is exactly what we, what we saw on in college tape. You you never know how how these guys are going to be transitioning, but he's doing the exact same thing that he did in college. He's looking as easy as it did for him in college. He has more pressures than Aaron Donald right now and on 70 plus less snaps than Aaron Donald. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, That's the I, thing. I, I, I like, he's not even that. he's not even starting. No, he's doing the he, under 50% of snaps. He's post uh posting these numbers. Yeah. Like you just give him defensive rookie of the year now. Like there's no point of even waiting. Yeah, that's it's 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 really absurd. Just how how he's smothering that competition. I think who who would be who would be close to him at this point here? I think Brian Branch would probably Christian be Gonzalez, uh, Brian Branch, yeah. Yeah, Christian Gonzalez, Brian Branch. Those yeah. are those are two two pretty good candidates there for it. I guess Bijan Robinson would also be in there for it. I guess well, that's offensive. Of offensive. Uh, they, yeah. Do they give one collective, like just one rookie of the year? Or is it only offensive and defensive? It's only offensive and defensive. Okay. I'm gonna pull right. up the uh, I'm gonna pull up the odds right now, actually. So if we look at uh FanDuel's odds right now, one sec, my hat is falling off my head. All right, there we go. Um Jalen Carter uh is plus one ten to win defensive rookie of the year which is a heavy favorite. Like, if you're plus 110 to win an award at this point, you know you're dominating. Um, Will Anderson's plus 550 next, and Christian Gonzalez plus 900. Like, it, the FanDuel's basically saying Jalen Carter's winning, uh, and they're collecting money. In, in terms of pressures, uh, I think the next-gen stats hatch von Hargrave with one more than Carter, right? Next gen stats, I think, had Javon Hargrave at 18 pressures and Jalen Carter 15. Right. I think PFF has them tied. No, and I mean, they have Carter at 15, Donald at 14, then Lawrence, yeah. Allen, and Hargrave at 13. Yeah, pre- pressure stats are always skewed in different, uh, depending on yeah, the Yeah, especially the, the hurry part of it. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm kind of. Either way, it's of- absurd that, that yeah. the fact that Carter is doing this and playing half the snaps to some of these guys. It's remarkable, man. Um, he's been so damn good, and I, I, I can't reiterate like how he's literally the best player on the team. Like I messaged you this morning, I'm like I was trying to think like is there is there someone else I'm missing? You could maybe say DeAndre Swift. Through, through, I think through Jordan three Davis weeks. is probably the one you'll be giving a run for the money just because of yeah. how he is shutting down defenses, uh, shutting down offenses on first and second down, and then Jalen Carter can come in there and do his thing on obvious pass situations because you know Jordan Davis has done all the dirty work and eating up the running game. Mm-hmm. Like I think there's something to be said for the fact that the Eagles have the best EPA per play run defense in the league, and it's strictly and solely due to Jordan Davis. In my and opinion. it's like it's like by a high margin too. It's like by 0.6 of a point. Like there are or 0.06 of a point. Like they are really good um, in the EPA per rush 
statistic on defense. And like the Cleveland Browns have been awesome too on defense, and they're ahead of them. So and and like this is this is all weakness last year, right? Like they had to sign uh they had to sign Linval Joseph and Dominic Sue off the scrap heap after an so bad, bad run defense performance against Washington on that Monday night game. So to be able to kind of flip your whole your weakness into a strength from two draft picks back to back years is exactly how it's supposed to be done in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. Anything else on the defensive side of the ball? Um, Sean Desai deserves a ton of credit. I thought he was really good. I think we already talked about him. Um, I'm really impressed with him so far, Thomas. I think the defense looks – they look united. They look like they're playing as a team. And I already like him better than Jonathan Gannon after three weeks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nothing bad about Jonathan Gannon this week, though. He deserves, no. uh, he deserves one uh, one week off. Yeah. The fight the fight in Gannon's put up a good, uh, good match against the Cowboys, man. I – that was uh, fighting that was bus rides. Gotta give him love. Sorry, the fighting bus rides. Yeah, the fighting bus. Rides. The the fighting bellies. I don't know. Pew pew pew. It's uh, it's funny to it's funny to uh see that team actually playing well because like they they played well in the first two games as well and they just couldn't hold on. But uh, anything else on the defensive side of the ball? No, I think kind of hit it. The Double Doink Podcast is officially sponsored by Manscaped. Fresh ball fall is upon us, and you need to be in the festive spirit. Light a candle, get some pumpkin spice, and make sure your balls look nice with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Nature may clear the leaves off the trees, but you'll need Manscaped's help to get you ready for the sweater weather. Get your pants puppies prepared for cuffing season with trim as refreshing as a ball breeze by going to manscaped.com and using code DOINK for 20% off everything plus free shipping. It's time for nice flannels and cozy socks, but we can't forget to trim our balls. By now, you've heard of them, but it's time to join the 9 million men worldwide who use Manscaped and get the kit that covers it all, the Performance Package 4.0. It starts with the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer with advanced skin safe technology that reduces nicks and cuts to make the raking the leaves a lot less painful. Once you've cleared the driveway, the Performance Package comes in hot with products to cool you down. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Spray Toner, one to prevent stink and one to clear it up. With a soothing aloe vera formula, move over pumpkin spice, fresh balls are the smell of the season. The Performance Package 4.0 caps it off with two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. That's one to hold your Manscaped goodies and one to hold your man goodies. Bring in the fall right and get 20% off and free shipping with code DOINK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code DOINK. As the leaves fall, make sure you have it all with Manscaped. All right, offensive side of the ball. The Philadelphia Eagles um, put up 25 points. Well, two of them, I guess, would come on a safety, so 23 points in this game. They dominated um, the line of scrimmage in this game. They said, I know there's only 23 points, but I think the Eagles' op- offensive performance um, was more impressive than just the scoreboard here. 472 total yards of offense. They had 38-55 uh, minutes of time of possession. There's mauling guys at the line of scrimmage. The Eagles offensive line was absolutely spectacular uh, last night. Yeah, Lanton Diggerson, especially leading the way um, before he left with a knee contusion. He should be all right, like you said. Um, but yeah, just the, the, the offensive line, DeAndre Swift are, are really in sync uh, right now. And what DeAndre Swift is doing is like uh, these uh, these yards before contact stats that are kind of getting 
a little bit skewed. They're, they're, they're being turned a little bit against DeAndre Swift in terms of like, look how great the offensive line is, more so than what DeAndre Swift is doing. We'll just take a look at what Cannon Gainwell looks like when he's running the ball in real in close relation to DeAndre Swift. Like, if there was any any doubt of who the Eagles running back one is after last week against the Vikings, you saw it in this game because you had a direct comparison one to one of what it looked like when it was Gainwell running the ball and when it was DeAndre Swift uh, running the ball. We're talking about a difference of um. What what it how much did um, well, Kenny, Kenny, Kenny Gainwell average three? He had around three. I think it was about five yards per carry difference between was, Gainwell and and uh, Swift. Exactly five yards per carry. DeAndre Swift averaged eight point one. Kenny Gainwell averaged three point one. Well, now a lot of Kenny yeah. Gainwell's runs at the, were to, on the end of that last drive when the Bucks were obviously looking to stop the run. But I, in my opinion, it doesn't even matter. DeAndre Swift just from the ITIS alone, like you can clearly tell, is the most juice out of any running back on this team. He's hitting the holes properly. Like he's finding the right spots to run through. He's not uh, like hesitating at the line of scrimmage. And if he is hesitating, he's waiting for a hole to open up. He just looks like a complete back. He looks like a legit number one running back right now. And like another impressive night, like you said, 16 carries, 130 yards, 8.1 per per pop is ridiculous. Dodgers for the last two weeks has been outstanding. 6.93 yards per carry. He's He's been awesome, and he, they need to ride him for the rest of the year. Like he's got to get the most touches, like at least seven. Yeah, seven he changed the offense, really. Yeah, really. Like it's. I don't know where they'd be without him over the last two weeks because the passing game hasn't been spectacular. We'll get into that in a second. Not three and zero. Oh, that's my no. <laughs> that's my guess at least. And they got him for a twenty twenty five fourth round pick, man. Like yeah. for nothing, nothing. That's nothing. For a starting running back that like this, yeah. he's now second. You you put up a tweet second in the NFL in rushing yards right now. Yeah, playing two games. Yeah, behind only Christian McCaffrey for about what, what forty yards. <laughs> and McCaffrey's played. I don't know what his snap counts were in week three, but he only missed four total snaps from in week one and two combined. He played the entire game in in the first game. Like they have been relying on him heavily. Like if DeAndre Swift saw that kind of workload, uh, who knows where his yards would be? Yeah. Yeah, it's it, he. Obviously, you you would assume he'd get forty plus. So though he'd be leading, and I think if like if he stays healthy, that's a big if with DeAndre Swift. But if he stays healthy and and gets this kind of workload on a on a weekly basis, he could be the leading the league in rushing. Mm-hmm. It's not crazy, like if the, with the way the Eagles' offensive line is playing and the way they run the football. And the way that teams have to like counter for a Devonta Smith and AJ Brown, there's going to be holes to run through. Like it's not crazy to think that he could be the league, league leading rushing. What was Miles Sanders last year? How how high was he in the rankings? Do you know? Like in total rushing yards? Hmm. Was he fifth? Two NFL rushing leaders. Let's find out. He had a lot of rushes last year. Last Miles season. Sanders was one, two, three, four. He was fifth in the NFL last year. There you go. I also had around 260 attempts. Yeah, he had 259 uh, they, rushing attempts. It worked so. him that year. Yeah. Got him a contract. But it was actually below the guys in front of him, Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, and Josh Jacobs. They all had a way, way, uh, like more attempts than him. But, yeah, yeah. like the Eagles are never going to have like a strict bell cow running back. But uh, DeAndre Swift is as close as it could be to one with the way that he's playing. Yeah, the um, only thing if he doesn't is, is, main, is, like, is keeping him – as healthy as possible. Yeah, that's probably why they didn't. He didn't play at all in the last drive, right? Like they didn't need him to. 
Yeah, you, yeah, you'd assume that and kind of trying to get Gainwell going a little bit there. Okay, let's talk about Jalen Hurts, Thomas. So Jalen Hurts in this game, 23-37, one passing touchdown, two interceptions. He also had 10 carries for 28 yards and one touchdown. So he's over 300 total yards on the day. What did you make of Jalen Hurts' performance? Um, On that Olamon Sakia's touchdown drive, I think he was really good. Um, he... It was near disaster on both plays. Like the pocket was collapsing to the very, very, very last second, and he almost had a defender knock the ball uh, as he was throwing it. But I guess you can just say that that's the, I mean that's timely um, uh, awareness from from Hurts in that in that situation and got the ball off to Olamide and then got it off to him uh, a little bit later there as well. I think that was a really good read on that touchdown throw. Seeing where because Sakis was nowhere near around the ball when he released it. Like that was that was really good anticipation of where Sakis would end up on that route. Yeah. Um, if you watch it from the end zone angle, like it doesn't look like there's anything there. Exactly. And mm-hmm. uh yeah, so so that was that was that was impressive. And then uh the touchdown drive they had coming out of the second half. I think he made some good decisions of of throwing it down to to AJ Brown and to, to Dallas Goddard to move the chains easily and kind of methodically go down the field on that, uh, on that drive. Uh, they get it in with the QB sneak at the end. Um, and But other than those two drives, I think it was very up and down. Oh, wait, and also the last drive, because if you noticed, every single conversion, every single first down conversion um, on the last drive where the Eagles milked the clock 10 minutes, was all Jalen Hurts? Yeah, it was either him running or it was him throwing the ball to to AJ Brown or or whatnot uh, to to uh, to move the to move the change there. And that's really a situation where if you're if you can milk the clock ten minutes on fifteen plays, and they still had the ball at the end, could have could have uh, could have kicked a field goal, could have scored a touchdown there, but they could have got they could have kept the ball there for about 16 plays 17 plays had they had to uh, in that situation um that's that's top notch stuff uh, from hurts and i think that was a really good way to end the game uh, that was sheer dominance it's such a lo- like i was thinking i don't think there's any other team in the nfl that can do something like that we have the no, ball that, nine was, that was really like, absurd like it was an absurd even, drive and how many they had like what like 7 8 yards left over before the end zone like they yeah. could have taken another Three minutes, like if, let's say they were trying to score a touchdown. Realistically, they could have like take another three minutes off the clock. It could have been yeah. like a like a whole quarter drive. Yeah, exactly. Game. Yeah, yeah. But that, but but to go with all that, I also think he made some really boneheaded decisions. I mean the the a pass early, a pass to Jack Stoll within the red zone, and they end up getting uh getting nothing. I believe. I think it was when they were turned over on downs, where he just leads Jack Stoll all the way to the outside into the linebacker, which just yeah. instead of just putting the ball on him. Uh, the 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 first interception to Devin White was just horrific. I don't. Um, do you do you think that was Hertz's fault, Swift's fault? I I really still don't understand what happened there. I mean, even even like if if Swift was supposed to stop and then come back to him. It still wouldn't make sense to throw it straight at the linebacker. You'd lead him to either side, away from the linebacker, that spot. If he was to 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 just come back uh, at that point, it sound, it looked like he just wanted Swift to sit there. But like, yeah, like but, you said, but even if he didn't want he to, sit to sit there, there he, he knows that Devin White is right behind him. So exactly, he's trying yeah, to lean him one, one way or the other. 
Mm-hmm. Um, then the deep, uh, deep ball to um, to Devontae Smith. That was just a great play. But yeah, I, I thought that was that was just was a, a fine throw. Like that's yeah, that was that was yeah. just a, a really athletic throw. And then AJ Brown dropped two touchdowns. Um, and, and I had uh, him two plus touchdowns. Man, I was so big on an AJ Brown game. Yeah, and I had like buddies that were on AJ Brown. It was just like it just wasn't happening. He played really well, like nine catches for 131 yards, but the touchdowns were. Uh, Apparently with a uh, stomach bug and also Jalen Hurts apparently having something. Before yeah. Ju- far, so. Did you see A.J. Brown? Ate, he said he ate talkies last night. And yeah, I have no idea what that is. But Do you know looked, what talkies it, are? It, it looked like... disgusting when, when somebody <laughs> put up a picture of it on, on Twitter. They're, so they're like these, I think they're tortilla or corn chips or tortilla chips. I don't know if those are the same thing. But they're like tightly wrapped. So they're like circles. So like cylinders. And then they're covered in like hot seasoning like and they're different flavors so there's like a blue one i remember i bought like this pack of blue talkies and i brought them home and me and my mom ate them and my we were my mouths were on fire like we were, we were like these things are fucked i kind of want to eat these anymore um they're really really spicy depending on which ones you buy they're good um the, i'm not a crazy spice guy so my spice levels is, isn't like everyone's but i don't know if it's the best thing to eat the night before a game and i think adrian brown said he learned his lesson yeah but overall, I think Hurts did okay. Uh, he he was I, he wasn't um, he wasn't the reason they won this game again. Uh, and I think uh, the heading into the second half, uh, I think it was a little bit of an embarrassment of an of an offensive performance, given how well the defense was playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he played fine. Like I, I don't think it was outstanding, like you said, and I don't think it was backbreaking, like you also brought up. Um, the old meets Zacchaeus drive was really impressive, like to be able to get both those throws off. But like you said, it was close to disaster. And I think it was, I think it, you can see both sides of it, but I think the most important thing is that he held in the pocket and he got to deliver the ball in both these plays. Like if you kind of go back to even like in 2021 or even maybe even last year, Jalen Hurts, he's probably taking off and running with those balls. Like he's probably not even staying in the pocket and making them. So for him to do that, I think was impressive. And he keeping his eyes downfield. Uh, I had the Jack Stoll, uh, throw written out um written in my notes as well i want to bring that up i think that was kind of killed that drive um that was a throw that he had to make but the the two interceptions like the deandre swift one it it didn't look good but i still don't know what happened and you're right he probably could have let him some one way or the other even if he was supposed to hook there um and then the interception yeah like it wasn't that that was just an unbelievable play i thought that was a fine throw to make in that in that time um he's now a negative epa per drop back in every single game so far I um, mean, he had, I believe it was nine games, um, nine or 10 games above uh, um, positive EPA per drop back last season. So we're seeing like it's not fully there yet, but I thought this was his best game so far. Um, he had a really good half last week or against the Vikings, but I thought this game was more of a full complete game. Um, and he just has to continue to get better. If like if the whole team is playing up to the, the way they are right now and Jalen Hurts right now, is the biggest issue. I think that's fine because I I have so full blown confidence that Jalen Hurts is going to rebound um, and, and figure this out and get back to like his MVP form from last year. There's no doubt in my mind that he's going to do that, and the signs are already starting to come. Yeah, and also just I think we finally saw a little bit more of the AJ Brown Hurts connection mm-hmm. um, starting to heat up a little bit here, and uh, at three and zero. That's a good. That's a good. Uh, it's a good spot to to not even have seen the best yet. So much for that feud, eh? So much for them not liking each other. <laughs> that that lasted such long. a non-story forever. Man. God, 
It took took two plays for that to, to that to wear off. The first two plays were AJ Brown, and then it was just like, all right, this was like the biggest waste of time, even focusing on that story. Um, okay, anything else on the offense? Only means Akia's coming to life. I thought was pretty cool. Like, hey, the guy, he finally got Kia, like those are big plays, man. Like those are the game changing plays, and he made good for him to get open on both of those. Um, we brought up AJ Brown having a gig, a good game. One thing I thought was really interesting, and I'm really happy. I was really happy I saw this this morning because we talked about it on the pregame episode is the Eagles play a lot more 12 personnel in this game. They play 12 personnel at a 30.8% rate, um, which is the highest they've done over the first three games. 11 personnel, 55.1% and 13 personnel at 14.1%. They played a ton of 13 personnel on that last drive, which where they just have Devonta Smith um, wide it out and then they have three tight ends. But I thought the 12 personnel really helps in the in the blocking, um, in the run blocking game. Uh, Jack Stoll looked great again, man. He just He's a really good blocker. On, on the interior of the line. I know he's not the greatest route runner and pass catcher, but I thought he had a really good game uh, blocking for the Eagles. And I'd like to see more 12 personnel going forward. Yeah, I agree. That worked out well for them. I mean, what what they can do out of that and just, just the, sh- the, the running back, <clears throat> the running game dominance when they have those two guys like Jack Stoll and Dallas Goddard on the field along with the offensive line is absurd, man. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, one more thing before we go. Uh, one more thing before we wrap up the offense, sorry. Um, the tush-push conversation needs to stop, man. I don't get what we're doing anymore. Like, it's every single Eagles game that people are complaining on social media about the tush-push and how it shouldn't be there. That's like, what enough happens when they're playing primetime. It's every single week, Thomas. It doesn't matter for primetime. It doesn't matter. It's like... They, they have two primetime games back-to-back. I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal in week one, right? It's so annoying, man. It'll calm down. They're good at Washington you, at one sure? PM. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's gonna calm down a little bit. It has to. I mean it's basically the weirdest thing about it is that Jalen Hurts have, has already gotten the yards to gain before he's getting pushed. That's the weird thing about it. Like it, it hasn't to do it hasn't to do with anything of a push. It's just like Eagles already succeeded before he even got there. I mean, b- before the the guys behind him, the one who was supposed to push him, they don't really ever really get to push him because he already got what he had to at that point. They don't need the push. Like Jalen Hurts can get the yards, like you said, without it. Um, six. He, he, no other quarterback squats six hundred pounds in the NFL. If you want to be able to do it. Get a quarterback like that. And if you want to be able to stop it, don't put yourself in fourth and third and one situations or fourth or first and goal from the one. Like it's your fault that you can't stop it. Other teams have also tried to do it, like we brought up um, on Twitter, and they can't stop and they can't do it themselves. Anthony Richardson tried in week one, the Bears tried with Justin Fields. Like, sorry, sorry, your team can't run it. Like, it's so annoying. I, I hate seeing it on my timeline. It's, it's, it drives me nuts. I can just give it up already. Stop complaining. Yeah. Um, all right. Is there anything uh, anything else on the game that you want to focus on? Nope. Okay, big picture here, Thomas. How are you feeling after three weeks? Feeling all right. I mean, three, no. Only three teams in the NFL to, to be at that point. Like we said a couple of times, it's, they haven't even peaked yet. That's the that's the best part of it. No, they're three and no and haven't played a complete game yet. I don't even yep. think close to a complete game yet. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think there's still a lot more for this team to give, and I think we're going to see it soon. I think this next three games, I think, are going to be crucial. Like, I think there's a really good scenario, a chance here where we're going to be, or the Eagles are going to be six and zero 
um, heading into the. Well, I mean, Dolphins. we'll see. I mean, like we said here, the last uh, what twenty-one regular season games the Eagles have played, Jalen Hurts is twenty and one. The one loss being the being against Washington. I mean, Jason Kelsey talked about it on his podcast as well. Like these teams know each other so well, so it's 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 always mind games and hitting the right day when you're playing against Washington. Did you watch that Bills Commanders game last week? I mean, Washington were two and zero heading into it, wasn't it? Sam Howell played well. Did you did you watch that game though? Did you? I mean, it it it, it always happens. Like we can't compare game to game. That's, That's just fair. not how it works in the NFL. The Commanders gave up nine sacks and fifteen quarterback hits in that game. <laughs> I, I, I for one wouldn't be surprised if they come out in a divisional game. Eagles don't have a single sack against Washington. Oh come on! You're putting that negative energy in the world already. No, I'm just I'm just saying that. I mean, you you see you see Dolphins put up seventy points. They're not going to put up fifty next week again. They're not going to put up fifty again the week after. I mean, it's it, it's we 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 we've watched enough Eagles divisional games to 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 not get caught up in who played who and then how did that go and then like it the, all that go shit goes out the window when you're playing divisional games. That's fair. Taylor Heineke's also gone. I feel like he's been like a boogeyman to the Eagles for some reason. So yeah, I don't know how about, but I mean, we'll see about Sam Howell. I, I have no idea about what 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 to expect from him. Mm-hmm. The so they have Commanders, then Rams, then Jets. So who even knows who's starting a quarterback for the Jets at that point? Um, oh, it'd be so funny with those Carson Wentz. <laughs> They signed Trevor Simeon today. I don't know if you saw that. It looks like that's going to be their veteran signing. Jesus Christ. Yeah, they're a mess, man. It would be jokes if it was Carson Wentz. I will, I will I would be, I'll be so pissed if I was a Jets fan. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like All summer. You waited all summer for this. Yeah, and, and just the sheer, like, just the, the incompetence of the front office. Like, the, it's been three weeks since Aaron Rodgers tore his, uh, tore his uh, Achilles. And they've done nothing. They've said, "All right, Zach Wilson is the guy," and he's he's even worse than he was last year. They just completely stand, like just boot him out, kick him off the team. I mean, take the consequence, take the L on Zach Wilson. That's a whole welcome. And, it, and it's annoying. It pisses me off too because like they keep like gaslighting the fan base. Robert Sala yesterday was like. Zach Wilson's getting better. Everyone can see it. It's like, no, he's not, man. Like, your fans aren't stupid. Like, they know what they're watching right now. So, um, okay. I think that's it. I- I've been impressed with the Eagles over the last two weeks. I think these are big wins. And 3 0 is not easy in the NFL. There's only three, 3 0 teams, and they're one of them. They're in the club. They got the invite, they got the secret password to the door, and they're in. So, and with the 49ers and Dolphins, both those teams look darn good as well. So, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a star. It's a star-studded cast at three and zero so far. Yeah. All right, Thomas. Anything else you want to get off your chest? No, I'm 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 excited to to, to see the uh, to see the all twenty-two of this game here of just how dominant the Eagles' lines were. Looking forward to your breakdown. Looking forward to breaking down Commanders Eagles with you because it looks like Thomas is already picking Washington. He's already got he's already got the Commanders yellow one too. So. <laughs> I'm just playing with you. Anyways, let's get out of here. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. We appreciate it. Uh, make sure you check our sponsors, BetterHelp Manscaped and Sweat Taylor. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. Make sure to subscribe to wherever you listen to your Apple po- or audio podcast. Sorry, Apple, Spotify, you name it. We are there, and we will talk to you later.